Warning, the following podcast contains strong language, irreverent humor, and graphic content. Listener discretion is advised. So what's up? Nothing much. What's up with you? Nothing. Just feeling like death after working out today. Dude. I'm a broken individual. (laughs) Same. Same. I was like, I know I'm not doing those ab exercises right because my lower back hurts. (laughs) Oh, I just saw Athena's tail. (laughs) Well, it's funny. Yeah. What is she? Oh, there she is. She's over here. I don't even. Oh, and she's down on the ground. <laughs> she's ridiculous. And I just like can't even right now. She likes sleeping in that one drawer that doesn't have a drawer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she does. She's insane. I cannot with her. Um, um fuck. anyway. Um, yeah. Like those leg lifts are ridiculous and i'm very much hating them (laughs) also i laugh but inside i cry we've been working out for like a few weeks now and we're not skinny and i just think that that's bullshit bullshit. (laughs) it really is i mean my gosh like it's it's bullshit (laughs) the fact that i'm not like a size two right now is absolutely (laughs) ridiculous uh unfair it's late for us it is uh, i feel like we're not we're not our bright shiny selves i'm, I'm a little i'm a little tired it's booze and ghouls after dark <laughs> that sounds um, like that's porn <laughs> but anyway this is booze and ghouls episode Very 56 type of porn <laughs> what <laughs> episode 56 i'm alana i'm leanne and uh I made us both screwdrivers, so I'm not even going to ask you what you're drinking because I'm. Just- um, I'm drinking it out of the penis straw, though. I'll have you know. Oh, that's fun and fancy, not fancy, just fun. <laughs> it's not. You fancy. could put a little top hat on the penis straw, and then it would be fancy. Well, then it would be fancy, right? Exactly. Could draw a little bow tie on it. That would be sweet, actually. I wish you put googly eyes on it. On That'd be hilarious. But it wouldn't hold up when they got washed. We have so many, so many ideas so many ideas for these penis straws (laughs) um if you hear a bumbling in the background this sounds like it may or may not be like i don't know a furnace it's just athena meowing or purring does this deep like purr that's just the most ridiculous thing ever i mean i've heard her purr before i feel like sounds like a normal cat's purr well, I don't know. She's it's it's the only cat I've known, and she's ridiculous. <laughs> she is ridiculous. She's sitting though. up here, she's, that's what it sounds like. She just looks at me like I was crazy. That's what you sound like, though, Athena. She's like, she's like no, fuck you. That's not true. No, I sound like I don't know. I was gonna I think an invitation to come closer to me. <laughs> I mean, she must love you. She hangs out in your room. Mm-hmm. she watches me while i sleep and it's really fucking creepy <laughs> she's like now just gotten so like they dog for those of you for you at home 
because like the the dog like sleeps in my bed and so Alice sleeps in my bed and she normally like she would never come in the bedroom I shut the door but like my door doesn't shut tightly you know it's just like whatever and um normally she would like never come in here in the night because admitted the door would open Alice would like jump down well now she's gotten so brazen that Alice like she'll hop up on my nightstand and sit there and she'll even like get on the bed and go like make biscuits by Alice's head and I'm like you are brazen and because Alice is gonna like come unglued one time and she has a couple times and she still just like runs out of the room but then she's like back at it later Oh. And the one night I was like sleeping kind of calmly. I didn't know she was in here and I was just sleeping, like kind of about to fall asleep. And then I just like look over and she's just like sitting on my nightstand, just stare, like straight up staring at me. She's just guarding you, making sure that no demons come to get you. Well, it made my blood run cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Athena, you purr like a furnace and you stare at me while I sleep. She's a little, she's just, she's just being a little, uh, she's just being a watcher mm-hmm. she is pretty though just pretty she's like thanks <laughs> that's what that was oh, that was not an invitation to come closer <laughs> just 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 look at this <laughs> this is what's happening right now well she likes it when you're when you record and then she'll start with the paw with the paw on the hand like it's funny hey, though right she doesn't she to do anything she doesn't meow while we're while we're talking no she really doesn't unless i like if i like started talking to her she'd probably meow but um as long as i just you know cats very... cats only meow at humans they don't meow at other cats is that a thing yeah they only meow at humans to get that. their attention. that's why i read somewhere one time who knows if it's true <laughs> i read about it in a book in a book <laughs> that's crazy i didn't know that yeah, that's why. She, but that's why she, she drives me nuts when she comes over. She starts meowing, and she want you know she wants you to pet her, and you start petting her, and then she like meows more and like moves away, like you're not petting her, right? Right. She's such a brat. Like such I want you brat. to pet me, but I want you to pet me in the way that I want you to. I don't want you to pet me this way. Right. Like don't just touch me any old way, willy nilly touching me. <laughs> She's a freaking mess, dude. I can't with her. Um. Well, so just a heads up, Ethan's going to drop the car off. So, okay, so the um, if they go berserk, that's why. All right. Well, just should we just, should we hop right in then, or should we get? Yeah, right let's just it? like you know hop right on in. Just just do the thing. Do um, the thing. So we're continuing our Black History Month series, and um, it's an even numbered. So you're up first. I don't know why I'm talking with that. Like I'm. Like I'm gonna about to conduct a symphony or something. I was gonna sing, but I've got nothing to sing. <laughs> I've got no song in my heart. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna switch this off. So part of the reason I've got no song in my heart is because of how fucked up this world is. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. So the story that I'm gonna tell you today is um it's very interesting. Actually, it's it's kind of eerie a little bit. I mean, I don't want to say eerie, that's not the right the right way to say it but it is very interesting because it is in some ways very similar to kendrick johnson oh really so you've got like you've got like a true crimey thing today yes i've got a true crime one too but mine is mine is infuriating but oh this one is 
it's, it's interesting. I just like, it has a lot of similarities to Kendrick Johnson, not like in the exact same way, but you'll see as we go. Okay. Anyway, today I'm going to talk about the death of Kanika Jenkins. Have you heard of this prior to me telling you about it the other day? No. Okay. So this, I actually first heard about this when I was watching my uh, Kendall Ray video uh, back in the day, like when Kendall Ray would do, I mean, she still does her own. She still does videos. videos. Yeah. But like back in the day, that was like all the content that she put out were like really on the videos. Her and her husband hadn't started Mile Higher podcast or anything else that they do. So anyway, I'd heard about this and it really just for some reason kind of like fuck, like, I don't know, it fucked me in the head a little bit. And it's weird because to this day, I'm just going to like spoiler alert. They don't, we don't know what happened. Yeah. So it's one of those unsolved cases. Exactly. And, um, it's just sad. But anyway, so I'm going to dive right in here. So Kanika Jenkins, uh, she lived um, on kind of like the outs, uh, I think it was West side of Chicago and um, she was 19 years old. And so for uh, September, early September, she had, she was 19. She had gotten a new job at a nursing home and she was really excited about that and everything. And she lived with her mom and they were really close. And um, she, she, decided she told her mom so this was friday september 8th 2017 so really not that long ago at all um and so she told her mom on that friday that she was going to a friend's house uh they were going to go bowling and then mm-hmm. to a movie to celebrate her new job and it's like normal teenage um, stuff normal teenage shit um unfortunately in true fashion of teenagers young adults like that age she was not in fact going bowling into a movie. She was going to a hotel party that, um, someone else had rented, um, a hotel room and then, you know, we're throwing a party. Yeah. So which already smells like trouble. It right. Seriously. And so first off this, um, it was the crown plaza hotel in Rosemont. And I think, I guess it's like the Chicago O'Hare airport. Maybe that's like the hotel, you know, how they have the airport hotels. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, everything that I read said Chicago O'Hare next to it. So I'm assuming that's it's it's the Crown Plaza in Rosemont, but I'm assuming that that is the hotel. It would it, be like Romulus, I want to say that sounds Detroit. right. I've only been to Chicago once, so I'm, I'm so not- jealous. I've never been. Um, I've never been. I really want to go. Um, well, we anyways, should go sometime. It's not that far. We should. Yeah, we definitely should. I'm I'm down to clown. There's um there's um, gonna be there's gotta be cool ass ghost tours there. Yeah, and they have a lot of really cool stuff there. And of course, pizza, of course. Well, yes, I I did get to do that when I was there. I had some deep dish pizza. It was really good. Well, fuck you, man. I'm <laughs> sorry. That was aggressive. You know how I get with pizza. <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, so yeah, so uh she went ended up going to this party. Now, I think this is important to note, and it doesn't really come up later. It just kind of shows me like the whole I don't want to say the irresponsibility of the hotel. That's not okay like to put that on them but it's like apparently come to find out later this hotel room was booked by an older person for these for these young people mm-hmm. and on top of that uh booked with a fake credit card number oh wow. now i heard f- everything that i read said fake now i don't know if that means like it was a stolen credit card number and like it wasn't theirs that's why it was fake or if it was literally a fake credit card number because i think they you know usually pre-authorize stuff well yeah i was gonna say it, it wouldn't have gone through if it wasn't an existing card yeah. number. so i'm assuming that it meant like fake like it wasn't because would you say stolen. this was 2017 correct yeah they'd be putting a hold on that bitch right 
Um, so anyway, so they, uh, just, they, she lied to her mom and she actually took her mom's car, which her mom later said, like, I, you know, I don't, she knew something was up. Well, I'll get to that. But anyway, so Kaninka, and also I just want to like point out just because I want to, is that, um, you know, KJ is her yeah. initials too. Yeah. I thought that right away when you first said that. Yes. Um, so anyway, so she goes to this party and, you know, 2017 wasn't super long ago. Uh, there was Snapchat, there was all this other shit. Facebook live was really popular and I've never used Facebook live in my life. Um, but so anyway, so there is a lot of footage out there of the party. Um, pretty much everybody looks, it looks like people are having a good time, you know, there it's really loud though and i it's interesting to me because during this whole entire time there was only one noise complaint um that yeah. was documented by the hotel and no one that's interesting you out. remember because you remember when we were on our senior trip we got a noise complaint right seriously and like we were not even being that loud you get a group of teenagers together anywhere you're gonna get a noise complaint oh yeah you're getting oh my gosh can i just tell you the amount of noise complaints we used to get in uh travel basketball season <laughs> we would go oh my gosh we would just get like relentless and then we would like read the boys the riot act and be like super mad and you know super strict and then like they'd be like oh, we're sorry we're sorry we're sorry you know and then like you could hear them the minute you walked away <laughs> being loud again right right kids. you know it's kids nature yeah, you don't know adult nature kids. There, I cannot control the volume of my voice. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, dude, I'm like that now, even. You know what I mean? Right, like, we're right. loud. So the it's like, I get loud. it. I get but it. Kids are it, definitely loud. Kids are very loud, you know? And so they're listening to music. Just, I have in my notes, vibing, you know? They're just vibing, having fun, yeah. you know? Everybody's having fun, whatever. So it was, I think, actually, like one of the girls' birthdays is kind of like who the party was for. Um, but anyway, Kanika and her friends went to the party. And so her friends later on have kind of given a little bit of a timeline. But as you can imagine, um, you know, she had had some drinks. Her friends had had some drinks. So sometimes, you know, when people are drinking, it's a little bit harder to follow a timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but anyway, so 1.35 a.m. is the first footage that they showed of her. And um, I am going to share my screen. And unfortunately, like you can look online and you can see all of the um, the footage and stuff. I would just be very careful because there's a lot of um, like fake information out there. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, so anyway, so I'm going to show you the video though. Okay. Okay. So there's um, her and Kanika and three other friends. And Kanika is the one that's in the back, right? She's got jeans on a jean jacket on and like kind of like a white bralette type shirt. Okay. Um, So this is them. And you can see the timestamp up at the top. It's uh, what? 128. Mm-hmm. And on, on, um, so it's right early Saturday morning, technically Saturday morning. Um, and so you can see them walking and you can see, she looks absolutely fine. They're walking down the hall of the hotel. Um, she doesn't look drunk. She doesn't look, you know, she looks absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, she's not stumbling around, nothing like that. That's at about one thirty. Okay. So, um, at 1.30, so at about that time, the girls have said that they um, were getting ready to leave and getting ready to move, you know, like move on to whatever else they were going to do. Maybe they're going to go to a friend's house, whatever. And they decided that um, they got downstairs and then they realized that uh, Kanika's phone got left in the room, um, in the hotel room, you know, where they were all having the party. Mm-hmm. So they left her downstairs and went to go upstairs and get her phone. Molly, calm down. 
and it's it's a little sad I mean you know like everything I read they're like that's the number one rule of teen like when you're young like that drinking like you do not leave any friends alone and I get it like obviously that's true um but you know if they're already drinking yeah if you're drunk you're not gonna remember uh, that like oh hey I shouldn't leave my friend alone right and also to another another girl and I um listened to her thing about it she was interesting she has a teenage girl and she was like when like if you're out with your your friends she's like in your in your friend has had some had quite a bit to drink or any or something when is it ever okay for you to like leave her by herself and her daughter was like never you know you never like you can never leave and she's like no but like let's say you did what would be the reason and she's like the only thing I could think of would be like the buddy system like wherever they were going was not safe so they needed it was more important that they took people with them to go back upstairs to the hotel room than it was for them to uh leave Kanika in the lobby Okay. Yeah. I see that. And so, um, so anyway, so that was fine. That worked. Um, they, you know, they were like that. And then I think too, like some of the girls, I guess had talked later about how, like, maybe there were some guys at the party in the hotel room that were like kind of skeevy and were like making passes at them and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense, you know, that they would have that issue, you know? Right. And they would say like, oh, maybe it would be more important for us to go. So they go upstairs and get the, well, and you're get like, the cell phone and you're like leaving someone alone in a hotel lobby. You're not thinking they're going to go anywhere. They're going to sit there and play on their phone until you get back. Right. I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah, I agree. I'd be and, like, um, I'm not walking back up there. I'm going to sit down here and play on my phone. You guys can go, you know. Oh, but you said she she left her phone up there, though, right? Is yes. that what she's going to get? Yes. So why would she not go with them then to get her phone? Well, that's a good question. And they don't really know. Like, they, well, they like don't she really was know. just like so drunk she couldn't make it or something. Yes. Well, you'll see. Okay, so um, the next footage that I have is about an hour later. Okay, so it's about at um two 24 is that right yeah well the first one was like 130 so yeah. yeah um but this one's a little different because this one has seconds with it too so i was oh. i got thrown off i'm embarrassed okay um and we're walking and we're walking <laughs> anyway um so anyway so this next thing that i'm going to show you now this is her getting out of the elevator and this is where you can kind of see and um that she's struggling now Oh yeah. Yeah. She's stumbling. She's stumbling around. She falls into the wall. She gets out of the elevator. She falls into the wall. And then the next camera picks her up in. So part of this thing, part of this crown plaza that was going on was under construction. So like the lower level of the hotel was not, um, was not inhabited right now. They were doing some extra work and everything. So there was nobody like you weren't even really supposed to be down there, but like there was nobody there, nobody in on the floor and everything like that. Oh my gosh. I just read the, um, the, title of the video oh you didn't know oh, that's right because i didn't tell you what happened did i no and i and i i am not gonna say it out loud because i'm not i'm just didn't i but because i figure you're getting to that but i just right. went i read it and i um my jaw dropped yeah yeah it's really it's really it's really fucked up but anyway so um they said that they didn't um they didn't know anything about her or whatever they didn't know like where she went they couldn't find her so that's about an hour later so that's about two o'clock and then um, if you go ahead, and then I'm going to go ahead and share the screen again. Oops, because I clicked off of it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, and this is the, sorry, let me, 
Um, this is like the last known footage of her. Um, and that's her walking. Um, so she had been walking down the hallway and then she like took a turn and went into, um, the kitchen. There was like a kitchen down there. And of course, like I said, like they weren't using it. It wasn't actively used. However, some of the appliances and stuff were still moving because they were using it for, or were still working because they were using it for extra storage. Mm -hmm. So this will show, um, this here is the footage, the last known footage of her. You can see she's still stumbling around big time. Um, and then she goes walking around the kitchen. Yeah, I was going to say, around. she's in the kitchen. That's, how did she get in there? Yep. And then you can see her again in another part of the kitchen. She was just walking around down, like, in the lower level. Yeah, but she's, she, so she probably was, like, drunk and just decided to Pondering. wander off. Yes, exactly. And then maybe she got disoriented, didn't really know where she was. A lot of people um, assume or, like, theorize that when she hit, when she got on the elevator to like maybe go find them, she got off the elevator. She clicked the elevator and clicked LL like lower level instead of uh, she was thinking it was lobby. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So so anyway, and so then that you don't see her after that. So that she kind of goes out of the frame, and then so at about three o'clock in the morning, um, the girls, her friends, call her mom and wake her up, you know, and they're like, we've been looking for Kanika everywhere. We cannot find her and all this stuff, and so. Um, her mom couldn't find her, couldn't find her. Um, her mom like right away came to the hotel and got a ride, I guess, to the hotel and got there. But I feel and, like, like as if you're a parent, that's probably like the worst call you're ever going to get. Oh like gosh, not only it was your kid, not where you thought they were going to be, but also now they're missing. Right. Because you've had like, you've been sleeping fine. Like I can say just from like growing up in like, um, and, you know, watching Ethan grow up and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you don't ever sleep well if they're not there because you're worried about what they're, you know, like, where are they? Okay. Are they safe? But then like, if you think they're at their friend's house and then right. you find out you get a call and not only were they not at their friend's house, but they were like a party and now you can't find them. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah. that just would absolutely be horrible. Um, so, um, her mom arrived at the hotel at about five 30 and she had, um, she had, you know, obviously, um, like was upset. Her, her mom's name is Teresa Martin. So she gets to the hotel at five 30. She knocks on doors. She's trying to like find them. And then I guess like eventually like the hotel kind of was like, you need to, you need to like back off essentially. Right. Um, <laughs> right. And, and so she like, well, she my daughter went missing on your property. So what are you going to do? About it, it? Exactly. And this is, and what's sad too, is that what, what's that? Like, what's that is, is that, um, the mom called and I'm not, I mean, I can't play the, the 911 tape or whatever, but her mom called, um, 911 and they were like, she was like trying to find out what to do. And the person on the call was like giving her kind of the same runaround that Kendrick Johnson's mom gave, you know, gave, gave that lady. It's like, Oh, she's probably just with some friends. Don't worry about it. That's and not like okay, but like as a as a 911 operator, that's not your fucking job. It's not your job to speculate on what has happened to the person. Like if exactly. someone's calling with an emergency, you're supposed to patch them through to the proper authorities exactly. or you know, make a log or whatever. You're not supposed to just like speculate on what might be happening and that it's exactly. not a real emergency. And it's just sad because like this lady, you can tell she knows something is up. She's close with her daughter. She knows something is up and you can kind of hear her. Like the guy even goes as far as to like, say like, 
well, you know, I mean, if her friends were drinking, like they might not be telling you the whole truth either, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Like, and you'll see later when I talk about like what happened and, and where they found her and everything, they don't, you, these are precious moments that literally she could still be alive if right. he would have done his job. Right. And the, the thing is, is like, you got to trust parents more when they say that they know their children and that this isn't how they normally act. Right. And it, at least if you have to wait however long to file a missing persons report or whatever you have to do, just inform them that. Don't make random speculation about what their child might be up to. You don't know them. Exactly. And they don't like that makes me fucking of, mad. Yeah, because Kendrick Johnson. Oh, what did they say? Something about oh, he's probably he's, with some fast girl running around with some yeah, some <laughs> fast girl or something like, like that. And I was like, who even right? talks like that anymore? Exactly. And um, and they did the same exact thing here. He's like, and so then and I feel bad because you can listen to the the call. And Teresa Martin is like, well, what like what do you think I should do? Should I file a missing person report? Which, by the way, PSA, you do not have to wait any amount of time to file a police report. The minute that you know someone is missing, you can file a police report. Do a missing persons report. Do not think. Do not because he was like she even said she's like. Well, like, do you think I should file a missing person report? And he was like, well, I mean, you can file one at any time, but I would probably wait, you know, blah, blah, blah. Kind I'm not of waiting. I'm sorry. If someone forth. I love is missing and not where they're supposed to be, I'm not going to fucking wait. Exactly. And I feel you don't horrible. know what's happening. Like, you don't know. you know, what would be great is if we did waste the resources and we find them fine. And then it was, you know, it was a false alarm. That would be great. But you know what winds up happening like nine times out of 10? They're dead already. Exactly. By the time you get to them. Exactly. And that was the exact story here. And so finally, uh, the 911 operator was like, you know, she was like, well, what do you, you know, like, what do you think I should do? And he was like, well, you know, he's like, you probably, this is what he said. Literally, this is what he said. He was like, you know, go home, like, just try to relax. Um, and, you know, call, I would call back like this evening if you haven't heard. That's the dumbest thing. And I take it back. I apologize. 530. She, so she called around there. He said like, I think he said like 10 or 10 or 11, or I think he probably meant morning, but still like, you know, that's fucked up. And she even said, she was like, she would have not gone anywhere because she knew I didn't want anyone else driving my car, but her. Right. And so he, you know, gives all. So anyway, so of course, um, you know, the hotel is the hotel. I'm sorry. They- I, I just, I like to me, you're you're doing a really important job as a 911 operator. Agreed. This is a job I couldn't do. I know someone who used to do that job. It's very very stressful. Yeah. So all the respect to 911 operators. But is it part of the training to like give people stupid ass advice like this because I feel like that that needs to be changed. Like right. I get like if you're trying to de-escalate a situation or something, but if there's a concerned parent calling about a missing child, I'd be like, yeah, here's the number for your local police department. Call them and file a missing persons report. Like, exactly. I don't get why you would, you would waste this time that they could be looking for the person by saying, I'll just go home and try to relax and they'll probably turn up. And exactly. Does that happen more often than that? Well, it maybe it maybe it does. Maybe, maybe it does. It maybe does, more but often I feel than not, like... people freak out, call the police. But it's just like when you it's not like, oh, uh, you know, we hung out for a little while, all went our separate ways, and you don't know where they are. Okay, no, maybe it's they like, went to another friend's house. This person this is, was with us was at a party. All her yeah, all her friends have said she was drunk. Um, and of course they didn't see the footage at that time. You know, they haven't seen the footage yet, but 
So they go on and they are looking through this, um, like the hotel um, management is looking through with the police. And so first off, they couldn't find anything, but then at about 10 o'clock that evening, Saturday evening. So it's been almost an entire day, right? Because Lord help me, you know, they, oh, don't file a police report. You know, don't file a missing persons report, blah, blah, blah. Um, apparently, um, police saw the picture, like saw the footage of her getting off the, the elevator, stumbling around down in the lower level and eventually went to look around there. And she was found dead in the freezer. That's insane. Right. Now, okay, I'm sure you're going to get to this. Is it, it's, is it a walk-in freezer? It is a deep, like a walk-in deep freezer. Okay. Now, okay. So she was found laying down, like laying on her side, face down. So her head was down. She was like on on her side, one shoe off, uh, no signs of trauma other than like, I guess she had a cut on her foot. Um, (laughs) I don't know. This is interesting. Anyway, the temperature inside the freezer was found to be 34 degrees. So of course, you know, they find her. How long does it take someone to freeze? I don't know. I really don't. And it's like a lot of people were like, well, why was the freezer even on? Well, they were using it as storage. Um, Oh yeah. Because the kitchen wasn't in, in service. right. 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 And like, I don't know if you know any, like if you've done the only like thing I have memory wise of this is like at our old school, when we, when we were growing up and I would like help with like the Wednesday night church dinner and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they would have a, they had a freezer and like, in like, I don't even think it was like a big freezer like this. Actually, now that I think about that. I've been in one before. Yeah. You know, they have that big button thingy that you can like push to get out. Yeah. So, well, you I don't get remember, locked in the, in the freezer. I don't remember it well, but, um, you know, my mom used to work at a grocery store. Oh yeah, that's and right. So I'd been in the back and, you know, one time she was just kind of showing me all around cause it was maybe one of the first times I'd been there or something. And I remember wanting to go inside the freezer. Cause like you're a kid, you want to see everything. Right. And it was really fucking cold. In there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And they, uh, you know, they have that, that button, but, um, you know, it was pitch black in there. So, oh yeah, you know, they, she was found, you know, she was found dead. So about a month later they did, you know, an autopsy and did the blood test and everything like that. Um, they ruled her, the Cook County medical examiner office ruled her death an accident on um, the autopsy report found no illegal drugs in her system her okay so her blood alcohol level was 0.112 um not quite do, two times the legal limit because the legal limit is 0.08 at least it is in, in ohio i don't know if that's national i think that's not. national i feel like that's the um, number i've heard more often than not in like to me like i don't know i you can see the footage for yourself and make your own. He was stumbling around, but I've been that drunk stumbling around. I'm not going to go inside a freezer. I just, I don't, to me, something feels off, but I I don't, maybe that's just me. Anyway, the other way. It's it's suspicious. I would like to know, and this is like, you know, this is going to be really awful, but did they do a rape kit on her? So yeah. So she had no, she, according to the report, she, um, she had no, um, no signs of abuse sexually. She didn't have any other, like, um, any contusions or anything. She only had that cut on her foot. Oh, okay. Her well, 
but no fight. At least that's something, because I was you were Correct. saying there might have been those Stevie guys at the party and right. was like, someone lured her somewhere and then stuffed her in the freezer. Right. But and they said um they had um you know they also found traces of topiramate or topiramate. I don't know. I think it's Topamax is like the the not generic the brand part of that. Yeah, topiramate. Um it's actually used to treat epilepsy and migraine headaches. Um, that was found in her system, even though she was uh, supposedly never prescribed this medication. Apparently there's a little bit of like back and forth on that because her mom claims she knows she wasn't on any medication, but she was 19 years old. You know, she had her own doctor now, but she's an adult. So she may have very well been on that medication. I think they actually will give that medication too for, um, for headaches, for uh, migraines, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of pocket here, but I actually think maybe that might be what the doctor gave me for migraines. I can't remember. I'd have to look. Um, but anyway, so apparently with the topiramate and the uh, alcohol together can, you know, enhance, enhance the effects of both. Um, and you know, her cause of death was hypothermia and, um, no one, they did not suspect foul play. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, I'm sure you're getting into more stuff, but it's really hard to say that there was any foul play involved when she, you know, she didn't have any signs of a struggle. Yeah. If she she got a cut on her foot, she might've been, I mean, she might've been looking for a Band-Aid. You know, maybe she was walking around Mm -hmm. in shoes that were uncomfortable. She took them off. She stepped on something. And then she's like, shit, I cut my foot. I got to find, you know, something to clean it off or put a Band-Aid on it. If she's drunk, she might not have known that was a freezer. Who knows? I don't know. That's a really good point. Um, I don't, yeah, you know, I mean, at first, like her mom went on Facebook Live after they found her. And then Athena's like messing with things on the desk now. I Athena's just heard stopped. that. I was like, I heard a little like she like knocked over my pill bottle. <laughs> what a monster. Um, but you know, her mom got on um Facebook Live after they found her and was like, you know, I just want to say thanks all for the prayers. Um, and everything they found my daughter, she's dead. No one did this to her. She went as far as to say that. Well, um, there was, um, not everyone thought that it got really sensationalized. I think in the news a lot, like a lot of people were like, there was videos going around of people who had like edited it. So it looked like there was somebody with her in the hotel, um, in like where the cameras were, Mm -hmm. um, somebody luring her in there. (sighs) I'm, it's, it just strikes me so much like the Kendrick, um, Kendrick Johnson story, because like it, there's, it, it could have been a tragic accident and, you know, that's what the official story is. Um, you know, it was, it was a tragic accident. She was drunk. She was, you know, high, they, no, one, no one claimed that she had done any like smoke weed right. or anything like that, but um, there were, I guess it was reported that obviously there were like drugs at this party. So to me, it um, reminds me more of the Elisa Lamb case. Just right. Yeah. Or yeah. Odd. Or yeah. Yes, definitely that too. It's just um, so odd. Like, how would you put yourself in this situation? You know, and then just not. Yeah. It's just, how would you not notice that it was cold and try to get out? You know, like how would right. you not? And I guess unless she passed out in there and then just <laughs> didn't wake up that's that's a possibility it's weird to me because it's like so hard because you know I mean we've all been drunk you know and I'm trying to think of like the drunkest I've ever been and you know they say they like they say this for a reason that like if something crazy happens you like sober up yeah you know what I mean 
And so I kind of almost am like, oh man, well, why, like, why when she got, like, went into the freezer and got locked in there, did she not, like, sober up kind of? Right. Like, Holy shit, like, I'm stuck in I've the freezer, had, you know? I've had things happen, like, you're drunk and then something happens and you have to, like, go into, you go into panic mode a little bit and that does bring you out of it. Yeah. You no, know, not, not all the way, but enough to be, like. Yeah. And I know that it was dark in there and that, you know, they said like, she probably couldn't have found like the button to get herself out of the freezer. Uh, some people she didn't thinking, have her phone. She didn't have her phone. So she couldn't and, have used a flashlight to see right. it. But this is, this is like, so there's a, like, so there are some theories. There were a lot of crazy ass theories, dude. Like a lot of crazy ass theories. Some people went as far as to say that at this time in Chicago was when um Selena Gomez was like getting her kidney or like whatever her friend like gave her her kidney or something and some people were going as far as to say that like uh that Selena Gomez paid somebody to like find Kanika Jenkins and like take out uh, her organ and like put her in there was none of that happened like there was nothing like that in the evidence if someone stole an organ exactly there she had all of her organs intact that's not the thing um now the only thing I can say that I would not be surprised is I don't think 0.113 or 0.114 is that much that she should be like, like that. Like walking around, all walking day. around, like stumbling around, can't stand up straight. Well, it's possible. Um, how long was it after that she was dead that they did the autopsy? I think that same day. Oh, so it wasn't that long. Cause I was going to say, you know, the, um, rohypnol or whatever it is, the roofie drug, it leaves your system. Okay. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. So that, that is the only, the only thing that I could really think of is that, um, this is, so, so I think this is what I think happened. And I, I know there's no proof of this whatsoever. And I'm talking out my ass. She's walking around like there's something else wrong with her. In my opinion, she there's more than just she had some drinks and she's at one point near point one one two alcohol volume or alcohol blood alcohol level i think that there is a good chance that she was she was drugged date rape drugged and i'm i would go as far as to say that either it will it for somehow maybe i maybe i'm wrong and maybe they didn't do the autopsy till the next day because you got to think she was in the freezer for almost a whole day yeah yeah so and so i don't the, know how they, long it takes they did it to leave your system but i know that it will leave your system i just something tells me she was there was more in her system than just what was given now, i don't know if it was well you know the medical examiner it was kind of like a fuck we don't want to have to deal with this and you know and say that she had something else in her body so we're just going to not even mention it well, there was no signs the, of sexual assault we're just not even going to say anything you said that that um that that migraine drug can increase the effects of alcohol that's what it says so but that's not like a party drug nobody's like not, gonna go around and be like oh, a, okay therapy. it's not a party drug in in the traditional sense but if you're at a party and everybody's partying they they have done things where you just like everybody takes whatever pills they have you dump them into the bowl and then people take a handful and everybody yeah, takes a farm party it's yeah. great so I like just don't see somebody dropping the topiramates well, in there. If that's all you have on you, you know, you're not like Yeah, and you're drunk. That's you're true. If you're drunk cool, and you're you like, oh, yeah. let's see how like, oh, I got this, and you put it in there, you know, you just want to seem cool, like you're you're contributing or whatever. Right. But um, so maybe she took, you know, some whatever, and then that was making her stumble around some more. 
my thing is if she was drugged by someone maybe they they were gonna try to rape her or try to do something but realize she was too out of it and they couldn't get it to happen so they just shoved her in there and were like done with it or whatever wake up and get out yeah or or another kind of thought that I had had was what if somebody did did drug her and they were they maybe she passed out yeah and they were like oh shit, oh, shit she's dead right yeah if I they were that happen- too or on drugs too they might have been like oh shit she's dead I'll throw her in this freezer and then like she'll wait when she wakes up she'll get out yeah I mean because you because you wouldn't necessarily know that 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 that's you know gonna kill them by sticking them right. in there either um, in 2018, the family attorney um, filed a $50 million lawsuit against the hotel. Um, they said that, um, um, sorry, they said that um, the hotel, like, um, you know, was that negligent from their whole, from, you know, leaving the, that area open and not having yeah. anything padlocked shut, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that is a hazard because you, anyone could just wander in there as clearly this right. ha- that did happen. That I, that I do, I would find in their, their favor on that and I would make the hotel pay damages. Yeah, I mean, it's just horrible. And, it, and this is the thing that kind of like kills me. And this do is, you just know, if they, if, our... they, if they won the lawsuit or I don't, I think it's still going on because that was in 2018 and I have not seen anything updated. Okay. Um, to, you know, to like, to see if there's anything new, I will say that um, what if that had been a kid, you know, like a, a, a little kid, that right. just, little kids can get doors open. Sometimes they could wander in there. It shuts behind them. They don't know necessarily that you, there's a button you have to push to get out. Exactly. And they, um, and you know, what's horrible too, and I guess this just goes on a couple different little tangents that I want to go on, you know, we're doing this Black History Month scenario. You cannot fucking tell me that if this was some blonde, white, blue-eyed girl, that they wouldn't have had every fucking person in the fucking Chicago area looking for her. Right. That's first off. Secondly, I'm going to stay up on my soapbox for two more minutes. And I want to talk about how you want to talk about somebody who's negligent. Now I know, okay, like, I don't really think this because I think there does need to be some type of protection for you when you are working such a high stress job, like a 911 operator. If that 911 operator had done their job, there's a really good chance that she would still be alive. Because if that mom had gone and filed the missing person report, like her gut was telling her to do, they would have been looking a lot earlier at the tapes and they would have seen her in the freezer. And there's a good chance she might still be alive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. It, that was really dumb on their part to to not tell her to go and file a report right away. Yeah, I'm just so brokenhearted for this mom. You know, I mean, this girl was tight with her, you know, and but yet at the same time, she's 19 years old. She's still a kid. You know, she's going to lie to her mom. Oh, I'm going to a bowling in a movie. And just knowing that her mom, like, just had to, like, get that call in the middle of the night and then go and try to find her. And then you couldn't find her. And then you got somebody going, well, no, I'm sure she's just out with somebody and blah, blah, blah. It's just so incredibly Yeah, sad. the last thing you need at that moment is someone casting doubt on your gut feelings. Right. Like, and, you um, know, you your want... child, you know when something is wrong. And it's just, we hear so many of these true crime stories where people go missing or something like that happens. You lose, you do, you lose precious time 
by not filing the report right away. Yes, you and, absolutely um, do. It really, it really is. That's just so sad. It is. And it's just such a, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm just, you know, I mean, from everything that really is pointing it, there was no foul play, but it's I interesting mean, it, it that at like the it same, could be, you know, it could be just a tragic accident. Like after watching that documentary on the Cecil hotel, I felt more, uh, more confident in Elisa Lamb's death being a tragic accident too, because we, they had revealed in that, that the door to that water tower was open. So it is feasible that she could have gotten up there by herself, right. fell in and then not been able to get out. Um, yeah, it's like, it, it is, it's like you, it's more almost the sad, the sad, the sad part of it is, I mean, like, even if it was a tragic accident, if people took the, the disappearances of black girls, yeah. like in this situation more seriously, yeah. yeah, she could be alive right she now. Might be alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just, it, it is really frustrating um, to think that you're not, you're, you're treating some things as some people as more important than other people when it comes to situations like that, like this, like that shouldn't, yes. you should never, that should never be how we look at a situation. Yep. I completely agree. I, I just, it's, it's really unfortunate. And, um, I don't know why that story just really grabbed me and I wanted to talk about it. Um, just, I mean, yes, if it, if it was a tragic accident, that's, you know, unfortunate and there's not really like a, a bad guy or, you know, yeah, what I there's mean? no like, one necessarily foul involved, play, but you, you know, that if it were different, if the person had been different, people might've reacted sooner and it might've had a different ending exactly it's absolutely ridiculous i mean she she she, i just i don't even freaking know it's just absolutely insane to me yeah well that's a really it's a really Um, frustrating and like kind of perplexing case because you don't know like it sounds like tragic accident but it also is it just is a little creepy and a little like it, it you know it feels off because it's just such a weird way to find someone you know yes absolutely it really is it is it is very very um very very heartbreaking so i'm sorry that i had to bring the room down but oh well I, don't um, worry i'm gonna bring it down more oh okay well I'll bring it down then we'll just we'll, we'll be pissed off together then because i'm heated about this yeah you're gonna get more heated just okay <laughs> Okay, great. My blood pressure is already on the rise. I can well, feel it. This is so I'm I'm doing an I'm doing a true crime one too. And let me just ask you, have you ever heard of the Freedom Summer Murders? Free No, I, I want to say maybe you mentioned this to me that this is what you're gonna do, but I really have no idea. I've never heard of this. Okay, yeah. Well, this is so one of the things that makes me mad is that I didn't know about this before. Um Mm-hmm. You know, in December, I went to DC and I went to the um, National Museum of African American History and Culture. And uh-huh. like, it was already at the end of a long day. And we kind of breezed through a lot of the exhibits kind of quickly. Like, I do really want to go back the next time I'm in DC. But I did, I read, I happened to read this, this one about this, about these murders. And I took a picture of the, you know, the plaque so that I could research it and do it on the podcast because I was like, yes, I'd never heard about this before. 
So the summer of 1964 was called Freedom Summer because there was this project. It was like the Freedom Summer Project, or they just referred to it as Freedom Summer. But it was um, it was a civil rights campaign, um, a volunteer campaign launched in the United States in June to attempt to register as many African-American voters as possible in Mississippi. So this is what's going on in Mississippi at the time. Mississippi, well, you know, kind of the whole South, we've talked about this before and I've made my opinions known that I think after the Civil War, um, we just accepted those states that had seceded from the Union right back in and there was not a lot of punishment doled out. And I think that that was a big mistake and uh, the root cause of a lot of problems that we still have even up to this day. I completely agree. But um, so in Mississippi specifically in the early 1960s, uh, they, well, also along with a lot of the other Southern states, but they defied federal direction regarding racial integration. So, you know, they're getting rid of segregation. They're saying, you know, kids can go to school together. doesn't matter if they're black or white, all this stuff is happening. So these Supreme Court rulings really upset the Mississippi establishment and the white Mississippi society responded basically with all this open hostility. So they had, you know, their white supremacist pieces of shit people doing bombings, just murdering people, vandalizing things, um, and using intimidation to discourage black Mississippians and their supporters um, from like trying to integrate basically. Right. So there was, there was the whole movement of the freedom riders, which were these civil rights people who would ride the bus. So there'd be like black people would volunteer to ride the bus that a, a bus that hadn't been, you know, like desegregated yet. So it was still mm-hmm. like colored people are supposed to sit in the back or whatever it, you know, would say on there. Um, and they would sit up front, you know, pull a Rosa Parks or whatever. And oh, yeah. try to just like, be like, we're here, we're not moving, this kind of thing. So they did a lot of those. Um, they would do that on buses. They would they would do that in facilities that were still trying to be segregated. Um, and a lot of these people were getting attacked, you know, just for just for doing that, just by trying to express their basic human rights. So um, and then in September 1962, the University of Mississippi had fucking riots because of this black guy, James Meredith, wanted to enroll in the school. And this guy's a fucking veteran. Like he went over and fought for the country, wow. wants to go to college. And the white students were so upset that they had fucking riots over this thing, which like, I didn't know about that either. It's like, they teach you about civil rights in school, but they teach you so so little. Like you basically know about Martin Luther King and maybe the Selma March and maybe like a couple other things. And that's like all you hear. It's like they want you. And I know this, this is true. So it's not even like it's like they, but it is this way. They want you to hear enough so that you think racism is bad, but not enough to realize how fucked up it was so that you like want to make things better. Yeah. Or to know how prevalent it was. Yes. Like they want you to know, like it was bad, but they don't want you to know how bad because you might actually have to take inventory and like change the way that you're doing. Right. Anyway. So in Mississippi, there's a lot of, um, well, we're still having voter problems. You know this, but right. So basically this Freedom Summer Project was about getting as many black people registered to vote as possible because there's a lot of uh, voter, whatever, what do they call that? Uh, suppression right. going on. So 
there's an offshoot of the KKK. It's really, it's the KKK, but this specific um, section of the KKK calls themselves the White Knights. Um, Please pause while I vomit. Right. And they were led by this guy, Samuel Bowers in Mississippi. So the Freedom Summer Project is sending all these white middle-class college students down to help with the registering of black voters. Like a lot of people were volunteering for this. And these white knight guys basically saw this as um, an invasion into their state, much the way that current white people uh, look towards immigration, like all the brown people are coming over the border to steal our jobs and shit. Right. Um, which is like not true. No oh, one's shit. no one's right. threatening your way of life. You're just exactly so stupid. It's just so just, so stupid. I can't. Anyway, so even media outlets were incorrectly reporting exactly how many students were being sent. So they were like exaggerating the numbers. So oh, these shit. fucking white knights are like preparing for battle, basically, <sighs> thinking that you know all these white liberal students are coming to take over and they're going to get all these black people registered to vote and then everybody's going to take over and kick out you know the white people basically which is the stupidest thing but that's what they Ridiculous. think so a lot of other assholes in the area white supremacists are like even people who maybe didn't consider themselves white supremacists beforehand but they're getting scared about all this happening and all this change coming up so they start joining the white knights in droves like all these dumbass men are joining because you know they don't let the women do anything well of course Um, not anyway so this voter problem that they have in mississippi stemmed back to 1890 when they passed their new constitution which added all these laws which basically excluded most black mississippians from registering or voting and then even like it's not against the law but they've made it so hard and people are so upset about it like um if you did, if you were a black person, you did register to vote, they would like publish it in the local papers, like so-and-so registered to vote, blah, blah, blah. This is where they live. This is the, the, and then they would get violence. They would be the target of violence from people who didn't want them voting. Wow. And it's just like, anyway, so that all that is happening. So there's this Congress of Racial Equality uh, core is the abbreviation and they wanted to kind of help out this problem so their 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 goal is they're going to set up all these freedom schools in mississippi and start voting registration drives in the state um so they were trying to educate encourage and register the disenfranchised black citizens because you know a lot of the times they're like well the system isn't working for me so why should i give a shit um right which is valid but all, at the same time they were like no you need to register to vote so you can ha- you can vote for change you know right um so two of these core members, the one we're, the, the main one we're going to be talking about, James Earl Cheney, is from Mississippi. He grew up there. And then we have Michael, who goes by Mickey Schwerner from New York City. Um, he's been working in Mississippi for a while. They were working together to set up a freedom school for Black people in Neshoba County or Neshoba County. I'm not really sure. Um, to try to help prepare them for passing the comprehension and literacy tests that are required by the state. So then they were later joined by this other guy from New York City, Andrew Goodman. And so James Earl Cheney, he's he's a black man. He's grown up in Mississippi. So he knows what it's like there. Um, but Andrew Goodman and Michael Schwerner are both white guys from New York, but they're also Jewish, which is important because, you know, the KKK, they don't like the Jews either. Right. Um, and 
they it, there was like I listened to this podcast which I put out the way at the end of my notes but um it's tenfold tenfold more wicked uh with Kate Winkler Dawson it's on the exactly right network which is uh, my favorite murder which you know is like my favorite podcast anyway mm-hmm. um she had this guy John Blake on one of her episodes and he wrote this book called children of the movement and he he wrote a book about basically this whole I think it's like about the whole freedom summer thing but it's also it's really about James Earl Cheney and like not only his murder but all the fallout that his family suffered in the aftermath so it sounds like a really cool book I'd like to read it someday but also you should check it out if you want to read more about this or um check out the podcast if you want to listen to him talk about it because it was really interesting and he talks a lot more in depth about things that I'm not going to get into because I'm just focusing on this specific murder Mm -hmm. Um, but yes so and he was but one of the things that he talked about that I found really moving was how the Jewish community got really involved in the civil rights movement um because you know they know what it's like to right to um be hated um, for something that they can't change and because of like their religion and you know all of that stuff that they'd been through they wanted to help out with this so a lot of um a lot of the Jewish people got involved so like these guys came um from New York and were helping out with this project in Mississippi so yeah um and they were also really young so Mickey Schwerner was 24 James Earl Cheney was 21 and Andrew Goodman was 20 Um, And so these guys are, you know, working to get these um, Black people registered to vote in Mississippi. Um, Cheney was actually from Meridian, Mississippi. At age 15, when he was in high school, he and some of his classmates started wearing paper badges with NAACP on there to mark their support of that organization, which, you know, is the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, founded in 1909. And um, they actually got suspended for wearing these to their segregated high school because the principal was like oh no we can't have this it's like the school board's all white all the parents are going to be mad and blah 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 whatever so yeah so they got punished for it so he's already like an activist from a young age um then in 1962 he participated in a freedom ride from tennessee to greenville mississippi um and then another one from greenville to meridian and both he and his younger brother were um participating in all these nonviolent demonstrations as well and so he started volunteering with CORE in late 1963. So he wanted to help with all this, you know, voter education and voter registration. So he's working with the local church leaders and he's helping other workers get acquainted and go out into the different counties and kind of like try to get people registered and educate and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So in 1964, um, he is meeting with the leaders of this Mount Nebo Baptist Church to get their support for letting uh, Mickey Schwerner come down and address the church members and encourage them, you know, to get registered to vote and all this stuff. So he was also kind of basically a liaison for the other core members. So on Memorial Day, 1964, the two of them, um, Schwerner and Cheney, go to this congregation at Mount Zion Methodist Church in Longdale, Mississippi, and talk to them about setting up one of these freedom schools. Well, the White Knights learn of this and they've already got it out for Schwerner because they've heard of him, you know, coming down here. He's from the big, you know, he's from New York City. He's trying to shake up things that are going on. Right. Um, big they city. don't like that. Plus, they don't like, you know, that this white man's coming in and trying to help the black people. 
Right. Um, so they're already like hating on him. He's been organizing boycotts of businesses, um, like basically telling black people like, don't don't be going to shop here if they're not going to hire you for a job. Right. Like if they're not going to let you work here, you shouldn't give them your money. So there's like all these boycotts that they're going on and they're, you know, they're just doing all this stuff. And the KKK is just really fucking mad. Um, Which any day you can make the KKK mad is a good day in my book. Right, right. So on uh, June 16th, a mob of, of KKK members come to this church, this Mount Zion church, looking for him. And he isn't there, but they're like, well, you know what it would make him really mad if we beat up these churchgoers and burn the church down. So oh that's what they gosh. did um, because they wanted to lure the core members back to the county. So basically they were like, um, you know, obviously they enjoy doing this anyway because they're pieces of shit, just the worst human beings to exist. Um, but they also were hoping that it would lure the core people back there so they could like kind of take out the revenge on them. Um, oh. So... On June 21st, 1964, Cheney, along with uh, Schwerner and Goodman, they meet at the Meridian COFO headquarters, which I forgot to write down what that stands for. It's another organization, but it's like it's like similar to CORE. They're working with it. So they meet at these headquarters before traveling to Longdale because they're trying to investigate the destruction of this church. Like They know who did it and they pretty much know why but they're just they want to see it for themselves and kind of right you know like i don't know basically why they're going out here but they want to see it and they tell the people in meridian that if they're not back by 4 p.m start looking for us because they know so these guys basically know that like the kkk is trying to lure them back there right they go anyway i don't know if it's like a show of we're not afraid of you or what but they go to investigate the church that's burned down and and like i said they told the people in meridian who are waiting for them if we're not back by 4 p.m start looking for us because they know you know um so after visiting longdale um which is where this church was they the three men decided not to take road 491 to go back to meridian because this was a narrow county road or country road it was unpaved and it had like a like all the buildings were abandoned that were along it. So instead they're going, uh, they decide to head, head west on Highway 16 to Philadelphia, Mississippi, which is the seat of Neshoba County, and then take south southbound Highway 19 to Meridian, figuring that if they went west and then south, that would be faster anyway. So it was about three and they were supposed to be, um, or you know it was getting close to three and they were supposed to be back in Meridian by four. Well, sometime around probably 5 p.m., right after they had uh, driven into Philadelphia, Mississippi, uh, they were pulled over by Neshaba County Deputy Sheriff Cecil Price, um, which you'll find out later is a member of the KKK. Of course Um, he fucking is. Yeah, well... And we don't have time to get into this either, but the white supremacists have invaded the police departments in every, you know, every police department in the country. Of course they have. Um, Why you think they have to wear those fucking hoods? Right. So anyway, so this guy, Deputy Sheriff Cecil Price, pulls them over first under the guise of, oh, you were speeding. Mm. And Cheney, James Earl Cheney, because he's black, 
is arrested for speeding while he just uh, detains Goodman and Schwerner for investigation, which is bullshit. Usually you write a ticket and you go on your way, but no. So anyway, they were taken to the Nesheba County Jail on Myrtle Street, which is like a block from the courthouse, and they're held there for a while. So back in Meridian, everybody's getting worried because the four o'clock deadline has passed. They haven't heard from them. So at 445, they notify another office that the trio hasn't returned. Um, And then those workers, the core workers, call the authorities. Um, But of course, the authorities in Nesheba are saying, oh, no, we haven't seen them you know wow uh, because they're corrupt and so they're held at this county jail for a number of hours around 10 30 p.m on june 21st they're released and he tells them you know go you you know you're free to go whatever go off this way so they drive in the direction of meridian in a blue station wagon and the core workers all had like they were their apparently their vehicles were easily identifiable um I don't know if they all drove the same vehicles or if they just had like some kind of logo that they put on there, but um, they were followed and then uh, pulled over by the same deputy price in his 1957 white Chevrolet sedan patrol car. Um, And then soon afterward, uh, they left the city limits and they were headed south on highway 19. Well, this this was basically the, their last known whereabouts. So later it comes out that these this fucking lynch mob has gathered. They've gathered all these people to like get rid of these. Basically, they're sitting around waiting, drinking, and arguing about who's going to get to kill who. And event- eventually one of them like tells the group, they're like, oh, they're going on 19 toward Meridian, follow them. So after a quick rendezvous with another police officer, Richard Willis, Price begins pursuing them. And he eventually catches the core station wagon heading west towards Union on road 492. So he stops them, escorts them north on Highway 19, back in the direction of Philadelphia. Then the whole caravan, because there's other cars with them, turn west on County Road 515, stopped at a secluded intersection, and this is where the three men were shot oh at close range. But, you know, of course, the two white guys, they just shot uh, normally. But because Cheney was black, they also had to brutally beat him and also castrate him before they finally shot him dead. Um, oh, my gosh. Just disgusting and horrifying. So one of these one of these fuckers has his own farm and has this like earthen dam for a farm pond that was currently under construction. And then another one of these fuckers has a bulldozer. Um, so he volunteers to like bury the bodies. So they like bury them on the farm and like, that's that, you know, they are like, no one's gonna find them, whatever. Um, a later autopsy of Goodman, who was the youngest, uh, showed fragments of red clay in his lungs and he had them in his, grasped in his fist. So that suggests that he was probably buried alive while Cheney and Schwerner oh were dead already when they buried them. Yeah. So, and then I guess this is according to court records. So after that, Price apparently, this is Deputy Price, by the way, the, the sheriff guy, sheriff deputy. Well, boys, you've done a good job. You've struck a blow for the white man. Mississippi can be proud of you. You've let those agitating outsiders know where this state stands. Go home now and forget it. 
But before you go, I'm looking each one of you in the eye and telling you this. The first man who talks is dead. If anybody who knows anything about this ever opens his mouth to any outsider about it, then the rest of us are going to kill him just as dead as we killed those three son of bitches tonight. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? The man who talks is dead, 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 end quote. Um, so, you know, lovely, wow. lovely person there. And, and no then uh, eventually another member of the group, Herman Tucker, was given the task of disposing of the station wagon. Um, and I guess he really beefed it because <laughs> he just kind <laughs> of left it near a river and set it on fire. Oh, um, so like, not that great at hiding things. Anyway. Now I'm going to I'm going to get a little even more mad here because after after initial I'm seriously like almost shaking right now. I'm so mad. So, so. I researching this just made me so fucking mad the whole time. But after reluctance from FBI director J Edgar Hoover, who by all accounts was a real douche canoe, I put that in my notes. Love um, it. To get directly involved, President LBJ finally convinced him by threatening to send ex-CIA director Alan Dulles in his stead. So he was basically the like the authorities are like, we got to get the FBI involved. And J. Edgar Hoover's like, nah, man, I don't think this is our bag. And he's no, like, I'm fucking going to send Alan Dulles if you don't get your ass in here and do something about this. Um, but yeah, so Hoover initially ordered the FBI office in Meridian, run by this guy, John Proctor to do a preliminary search after the three men were reported missing. Um, and then that evening, U.S. Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy escalated the search and ordered 150 federal agents to be sent from New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, two local Native Americans who are, are actually the ones who found the smoldering car that evening. So like, way to go, bud, burning this car. You just led someone right to it. But anyway. right. Um, and by next... By the next day, that information had been relayed to John Proctor, who's heading the search. So they find they find the car right away, but the the men's bodies remain undiscovered for forty four days. Oh. So they're looking for this, but like I said, due to Mississippi being the killing grounds it was at this time, while they're looking for these three men, they find the bodies of eight other young black men in the process holy shit yeah so searchers. i did not see that coming yeah so searchers including navy divers and fbi agents discovered the bodies of henry hezekiah d and charles eddie moore in the area um the first being found by a fisherman so that was henry hezekiah d and they were college students who had disappeared in may of 1964 uh, the feds also found 14-year-old Herbert Orsby um, in their search, and the other five remain unidentified to this day. Oh my um, so yeah, so who knows how many more bodies were out, just out there buried. It's like there were no consequences if a white man just wanted to go out and kill a black man and just bury him randomly somewhere, yeah. and there were no consequences for him, and that's what Mississippi was like at the time and probably a lot of the terrifying it is it really is i mean this is a this is another thing for another time but you've heard of like sundown cities or whatever it is have you heard of that before no idea what you're talking about no so those are those are towns that i think still to this day like you can look them up um and they warn black people about yes in those towns after sundown because the white people will come and kill them still to this day um yeah so i mean just sickening it really is fucking sickening it is 
So the, but the disappearances of these three men captured national attention. Um, by the end of the first week, all major news networks were covering their disappearances. Um, President LBJ met with the parents of Goodman and Schwerner in the Oval Office. Um, interesting that he only met with the parents of the white guys. Right. Uh, families who had children participating in Freedom Summer grew concerned that their, you know, like their, their precious white babies were putting themselves in harm's way. So mm. they were putting pressure on the authorities to find these missing men too. Right. Um, so... Their bodies were found only after an informant passed along a tip to the feds. So they were discovered finally on August 4th, 1964. Uh, Schwerner and Goodman had been shot once in the heart each. And then they found obviously that Cheney had been severely beaten, castrated and shot three times. Um, so the only kind of only good, good thing that kind of came out of this is national outrage. It was so bad. Um, that President Johnson was able to use this and the civil rights activist was able to use their deaths to gain the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, which Johnson signed on July 2nd. Uh, this and the Selma to Montgomery marches of 1965 contributed to the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which Johnson signed on August 6th of that year. So two big civil rights bills right. signed into law, you know, over... Um, this this helped kind of contribute to that to light a fire under people be like yeah shit's fucked up right gotta make some laws about that but even uh mickey schwerner was the only one of the men who was married and his uh his widow rita who also worked for core and meridian expressed indignation that the press had ignored previous murders and disappearances of blacks in the area right but had highlighted this case because two white men from new york had gone missing right she said she believed that if only James Earl Cheney had gone missing, that the case would not have received nearly as much attention. And she's she fucking right. Of course she's right. She's absolutely right. Um, but yeah, so by December, more than a dozen suspects, including Deputy Price and his boss, Sheriff Rainey, were indicted and arrested. Um, that makes but me here's a where happy. Um, but you're not gonna be happy for long. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> this has been an emotional journey, damn it. It, it has because Mississippi officials refused to prosecute the killers for murder, which is a state crime. The federal government, led by Pro Prosecutor John Doerr, charged 18 individuals with conspiring to deprive the three activists of their civil rights, which in parentheses it says by murder. So oh, they indicted. Yeah, so Mississippi was basically like, well, we're not going to do anything about it. And so the feds were like, fine, we will. Um, so they indicted Sheriff Rainey, Deputy Sheriff Price, and 16 other men. And then a U.S. commissioner dismissed the charges six days later, declaring that the confession on which the arrests were based was hearsay. So one month later, government attorneys secured indictments uh, against them from a federal grand jury in Jackson. So on February 24th, 1965, um, though, this federal judge, William Harold Cox, who was an ardent segregationist throughout the indictments against all the conspirators other than Rainey and Price on the ground that the other 17 were not acting, quote, under color of state law, end quote. In March 1966, the United States Supreme Court overruled Cox and reinstated the indictments. Um, defense attorneys then made the argument that the original indictments were flawed because of the pool of jurors from which the grand jury was drawn contained insufficient numbers of minorities, which is fucking bullshit. Um, like that's like you're gonna use that reason really you're gonna have the audacity to use that reason right um 
So rather than attempt to refute the charge, the government summoned a new grand jury. And on February 28th, 1967, got everybody reindicted, basically. Um, so yeah. this has already been held up for like two years, just over all this, uh, this like governmental bullshit anyway. Right. Which is all racism based, obviously. Of course. So on October 20th, 1967, they found the following men guilty. And then I'll tell you uh, what they found them. I don't know what they found them actually guilty of if I have it written down here, but these were the men that they wound up, wound up finding guilty were Cecil Price, clan Imperial wizard, Samuel Bowers. Wow. Um, yeah. Which they have these stupid fucking names for the, for their, you know, like their hierarchy of people. It is absolutely insane. Um, Alton Wayne Roberts, Jimmy Snowden, Billy Wayne Posey, Horace Barnett, and Jim, Jimmy Allred, Arledge. Uh, sentence range sentences ranged from three to ten years, uh, but they, you know, obviously they all appealed, began serving their sentences in March 1970, and none of them served more than six years. What? Sheriff Rainey was actually among those acquitted. Uh, two of the defendants, E.G. Barnett, a candidate for sheriff, and Edgar Ray Killen, which sounds just like a serial killer name right he like sounds he was, like he's an asshole but he was a local minister um and he had been strongly implicated in the murders by actual witnesses but the jury came to a deadlock on their charges and the federal prosecutor decided not to retry them on may 7th 2000 so you know 40 some years later 40 years right. later whatever it is the jury revealed that in the case of killing they deadlocked after one juror stated she quote could never convict a preacher god almighty right terrible preacher if you ask me (laughs) right my humble opinion in my humble opinion you should not be a preacher and also you should go to jail right right but anyway so so this is the and that was like the end of it for however many years but it wasn't until 2005 after a journalist and also like a class of students uh, really petitioned for the case to be reopened. They reopened the case finally. Oh, okay. They actually tried Killen, who was still alive, but they still never were able to convict anybody of murder. They convicted him of manslaughter. So at the time, Killen, who was now 80 years old, was sentenced to three consecutive terms of 20 years in prison. Um, his appeal, in which he claimed that no jury of his peers would have convicted him in 1964 based on the evidence presented, was rejected by the Supreme Court of Mississippi in 2007. So congratulations, Mississippi, you finally did something right after 40 years. Um, so he actually died in prison in 2018. And, and, I hope, rubbish. and I hope that he was, even though he was an old man, he was beat up plenty in prison before he died. Um, From your lips to God's ears. Anyway... So the, this was just like, not only did this really heinous murder of these three people who were just trying to help people have basic human rights happen, then no one actually served any real hard time for it, except for this 80-year-old yeah. man who by then had already lived a whole life, you know? That's so sad. Um, but uh, another small little thing that was kind of nice is that in 2014, under President Obama, all three men were awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom posthumously. So that was, that was like one nice thing that happened, but it's just like, and the other nice thing was 
that the outrage over this helped the yeah. Civil Rights Act pass, which I, which again, I had no idea. I've never heard no, of this before. Never. Um, and so I was like, I felt like it was important to cover because how many other people have never heard of this before, you know? Right. And just how, how sad that how many were four, what was it? Eight, nine other people had been missing and they found their bodies. And it wasn't until what all oh, the, the white guy, the two white guys were shot too, that all of a sudden yeah. now it's a fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, cause they put the, their faces on flyers and were like, these guys are missing. They were trying to do a good thing and now they're missing. And they knew as soon as they, you know, they knew as soon as they put out the missing posters, they, they never find them alive. They knew they were dead, right. but they were like, at least we can use this, you know, for some kind of, yes, you know, awareness that, that, that this shit is going on and that someone has to do something about it, you know? And I just, it, what makes me the most mad in, in researching this true crime story is that this happened in the sixties, but it, it's not that far removed from something that could happen a day. Like I had right. done, I had done the murders of the, the black trans women, you know, in North Carolina, I covered a couple episodes ago and it's just like, still people do not care when, when black people go missing or get murdered and they do not investigate it as thoroughly as if it were a white person. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, and so... it's enraging. And I don't know. I like, it's, it makes you feel helpless sometimes too, because you're like, if we haven't learned stuff in 40, 50 years, how long is it going to take us to just start treating right. everybody like they're human beings? You'd think it would be something that wouldn't be so difficult. You would think anyway. Um, so yeah so that's the freedom summer murders wow that is sorry for bumming everyone out um but i do i'm gonna do i'm gonna do like a creepy ghost thing next week so at least find something more like not to end on something super depressing but i think you know i wanted i wanted us to cover some important stories for for black history month and i hope that we've done a decent job on on some of these stories and and bringing them to light because it just is you know it's important to have representation for everyone absolutely Um, but yeah so if you have any comments questions concerns you have any fun ghost stories or alien stories or true crime stories that you'd like to share with us go ahead and send us an email and where would they send that email leanne you're going to want to send that email to the world is burning and I hate everything. <laughs> That's at Gmail. <laughs> oh my gosh. How about just booze and ghouls pod at gmail.com. That's booze a N D ghouls pod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at booze and ghouls or TikTok and Instagram at booze and ghouls pod. Um, rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, please do all that good stuff and it's past our bedtime now so i guess we're gonna end it here i'm so very tired um (laughs) uh until next time stay boozy friends